Welcome to Expert Opinion, the branding business forum where leaders share their views, insights, and experiences from the world of B2B branding. And now, here's your host. Hello, and welcome to Expert Opinion. I'm Ryan Rikus, and today's show is focused on building a family business from a basement to a billion-dollar company. Today's guest is Raj Shaw, president of MSI, North America's largest source for flooring, wall, and countertop surfaces. For a little background, branding business has worked with MSI over the last 10 years, and most recently, we evolved the MSI brand to reflect its tremendous growth as it surpassed the billion-dollar mark in 2017. So if you have stone surfaces in your home or office, uh, MSI likely sourced that product around the world and made available to your contractor. So Raj and his brother Roop run MSI and have grown the company on the foundation that their father put in place. As an immigrant from India, their father had a driving desire and a profound vision to create jobs and provide an opportunity for a better life for a lot of people around the world. So today, MSI employs over 2,000 people just in the U.S. and abroad and has created over 130,000 jobs around the world with their partners and suppliers a lot of them in economically distressed nations. So if you have interest on how a clear purpose and vision can drive growth and business while creating a powerful culture, you might want to listen to what Raj has to say or share with us today. Raj, welcome to Expert Opinion. Well, good morning, Ryan, and uh, thanks for having me. You bet. Well, um, it's an interesting story. You and your brother grew up in the family business yet went on to uh, become uh, a very develop a very successful career in finance each of you and then you came back to the business was that part of the master plan all along no it was not part of the master plan um growing up we uh, the business was built at our home so we we saw it every day we saw our parents working on it every day it, believe it or not we had employees you know that worked out of our house every day but there was never pressure on me nor my brother to to join the family business. In fact, a funny story, when I went on to college, my first year, I was actually pre-med, and the goal was to go to medical school. Um, but what happened is organic chemistry was at 7 a.m., and um, finance was at noon. You can understand why I went finance, you know, to finance. Um, the one rule my dad did and my mom both had was, if you are going to join the family business, you have to work outside first. You can't just come straight in. So it was never forced upon us, but there was a caveat. If you want to join, you got to work outside. Uh, both me and my brother for about seven years worked on Wall Street, and that's when we made the decision to join the uh, family business back in 2003. Well, that's a great story. Uh, I have other friends who have done a very similar approach. Uh, their, their kids are now running the business, but each of them went out and worked somewhere else. Uh, both got that global experience and then also uh, the industry experience at another firm. And if they liked it, then it would make sense to come back. So um, actually applying the same concept with my daughters who are in New York and London and, and working in the industry. but. If they choose to come back, it's going to be their choice, not mine. So, anyway, what what brought you back to the business? Why why leave Wall Street? Yeah, so Wall Street, I you know I I really enjoyed my time on Wall Street as a, I was young um, in New York and and having a great time. And, and there's not too many 
jobs out there were the type of exposure I was given at a really young age to, you know, Fortune 500 companies of all different industries. Believe it or not, I was the Wall Street guy for the prison sector. So private prisons, if they ever needed financing, I was the guy and learned a lot through that. But you name the sector and I got to deal with it and meet CEOs of Fortune 500 companies. Most 22 to 28-year-olds don't get that kind of experience. So I really, I really enjoyed my time. It really started occurring to me when I was about um, seven to six, seven years in to my job that this wasn't for me. And, and what I saw was that my seniors at the time, at the end of the day, they were salesmen. And I didn't want to just be a salesman. I, I really wanted the technical side and tech, you know, of finance. And you don't really get that as you grow within finance. But the bigger thing that was bothering me, and, and I see this in a lot of larger corporations, and I really try to make sure that this doesn't infiltrate MSI, is this notion of risk. And most I, I noticed in a lot of big corporations where they start failing is when their people are afraid to take risk. And that was very prevalent at my job, is as you became more senior, you were afraid to take any risk, and you did everything by committee. And that's not what I wanted for myself. And I definitely didn't want to bring up a family around that type of culture. So, you know, where else can you go to take a ton of risk um, but your own company? So for me, I naturally switched over more just so that the risk profile and the willingness to take risk, we know there's going to be failures, but to forget about the upside was not acceptable to me. And that's something I try to infiltrate at MSI every day. Look, we're in the business of risk and we're supposed to take chances and we're supposed to swing the bat. Sometimes it'll work, sometimes it won't. But as long as we learn from it and we keep growing, it's okay. That's a great insight and I think a great lesson for us all. Probably learned a little bit of that concept of risk-taking from your father as well. And and how overall did his vision shape the company then and, and even how is it applied today? Yeah, so my father, I think you mentioned it, is a, uh, my, it, it first remember it was my mom who founded the company. Um, but both my mother, father and mother worked within it. And my father is an engineer by trade, and my mother is a teacher by trade. So what was interesting is what they brought to the company and what that taught me and my brother. So for my father, being an engineer, everything is process-oriented. And his true belief at the end of the day is if we make the processes correct, everything else will be fine. So you can just see that within our company today is we just spend an, a lot, a disproportionate amount of time really working on our processes and systems here at the company. And he believes that's the leader's job is to really just make sure the processes are outlined and followed. Um, my mother is a teacher and her, what she has brought to the company and again, what me and my brother try to work on is environment and a culture of continuous learning. So, she, you know, we've never let a person go in the history of MSI due to a lack of work. And we want to stay that way. Both my parents believe, look, if we hire the right adaptable people, we can train them if they're willing to learn. And they can make our business bigger and better than it ever was. So this whole concept of training employees and really spending time nurturing them um, is what my mother brought being a teacher. So, you know, you put the two together, and it's been a great combination for us. 
Wonderful. So she was probably more the inspirational idea behind this concept of creating jobs and a better lifestyle for many people, right? No, you're absolutely right. She she truly believes in that, and it's actually our whole family. Um, she's she's put that into all, all four of us, and to you know my kids today and my brother's kids today. So it's um, it's something about how do we create a better place overall by using business. All right. Well, obviously, we picked up on it when we went through the branding process, and we ended up developing a new purpose statement for the organization, building upon your parents' dream and and uh, big idea of creating opportunity. And now that you have 2,000 employees, uh, this new purpose statement of to make dreams attainable. It seems like it's an odd statement for a company that uh, in your world. Uh, but can you now expand upon it and why it works so well for MSI? Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right, Ryan. It is an odd statement for a company that's ultimately in the rock business because you would think, you know, there's not too many dreams uh, attained when it comes to rocks. But it's something we believe in and we believe in, you know, very strongly. And we've really taken it to how do we provide jobs? And then if we can provide jobs, step back, even before we create jobs, we have to create demand. By creating demand for the product with all new ideas, it's not just how does it go on the floor, but how can we put the product on the wall? How can we go on the ceiling? How can it go on your facade? Creating new markets for our products creates the demand. And um, as you said, um, one of our taglines is also, how do we make this affordable? And by making affordable, we'll increase the demand of the product. Once we've created demand, the jobs come. And when we can put a person to work, it's just unbelievable what happens to their family life. Now they can afford to put food on the table. Their kids can get educated. Um, and all the dreams they probably had can actually come true because now there's an economic situation that allows it um and so that that we we believe in it very strongly we demand that of our vendors that they they create jobs and think just like we do and we're working with customers to produce the demand well big idea and it means a a tremendous amount to a lot of people so when we um, also evolved your vision your mission your values and uh, premiered it at the annual planning meeting last year uh, to your top 150 people so can you give us an understanding of how well that's been embraced internally and how well it's worked for you? It's been a resounding success, Ryan. And I think you're the one who taught me this, that, look, you didn't have to create a tagline. It should be something that's already in our culture, and then we're just kind of defining it. What your team did a great job of is coming in and explaining to us that. And when we debuted this at the meeting, to everyone it was that aha moment that, oh, yeah, this is what we've been doing all along, but it it just became so clear with a matter of a few words of making dream surfaces attainable. And after that meeting, everyone's preaching it. They really believe in it because that's what they were doing already. And now it's just easier said and displayed and illustrated for our customers and our vendors and our you know future employees as well. Great. I'm really happy to hear that's working so well internally. As you know, that's a big part of any corporate brand is the internal messaging. So I'm really happy it's working well. But externally, uh, you had the challenge of changing perceptions about the organization because the the company's been around a while uh, and had become very, very successful uh, importing natural stone from around the world and distributing it. And um, and really, initially, was not that well known for the design of the product, the fashion-oriented designs. And yet, I knew that was a 
as you were mentioning earlier, a direction you wanted to take the business and creating that demand. And we came up with that tagline, making dream surfaces attainable. Uh, can you share with our listeners uh, a little bit of the process of, of going from being perceived as one thing, in other words, stone importing and distribution, to another thing, which is not only that, but also uh, having this uh, strong design sense? It's been probably one of the most dramatic changes our company has gone under. So historically, MSI was a commodity-based company. So we really only sold what there was already demand for, and which meant we were price takers. And it, our differ, there was not too much differentiation between MSI and our competitors. Ultimately, it was a race to the bottom who can sell at the lowest price and have the stock to back it up. And over time, we've changed to what I would, what I think you properly defined as a pull focused company. So how do we create demand for our product? It's no longer a race to the bottom on pricing and, and to, to build this demand. And that's been a long trajectory. It's been going on for, you know, about 10 years to change the company into that. So what that's done is, you know, we've, we've created whole new products and product lines that meet up with that pushing the vendor community and our customer uh, customers to think of us differently. And like I said, there's no one thing that, you know, the snap of a finger, how you can change a company that dramatically. It was numerous things, starting with changes in product line, but how we have marketing and merchandising support that. In fact, even the staff we hire and the talents they need to have change when you when you're change the outlook of the company that way. So over 10 years, we've been able to do that, but uh, there's no one thing that you can point to that allows a company to do something like that. Well, let me give you an example, I, I think, of something that you did that actually start, jump-started this whole process of being known for something different, and that is, going back to your comment about you, you took a risk in the sense that uh, you guys paid attention to the uh, the trends that were occurring and, and then anticipating the trends in new products. And so, I don't know, eight, ten years ago, we helped you uh, develop the Q product, which is uh, a beautiful quartz product. And you made the big decision. I know it was a big decision for you to, to do um, in the sense of introduce your own product rather than just distribute somebody else's. And it had a tr tremendous effect uh, maybe you can just give a quick overview of that. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. That's a great example. So 10 years ago, our countertop business was focused on granite. And as, as you just rightly stated, granite, everybody has the same colors, the same styles. It's just a matter of price is the only differentiator. Nothing else changes. Um, at the time, we took a big swing and said, let's get into the quartz product. Um, for us, it was totally different from anything we had done historically. And in fact, the, the industry was fairly small at the time. So it was even bigger risk at that time. Um, but we took the risk, we took the swing, we worked with uh, your, your team, built out a whole marketing strategy for it, and um, built out the product line, built out the staff, sales force, uh, the vendor side to make sure we can get the products we want, built it all out. And I can tell you today, we have the number one or number two, we're the number one or number two player in an industry that's actually bigger than the graded industry today. But if we hadn't taken that risk 10 years ago, um, our company would look a lot different today than it, it does. Yeah, well said. Well, um, clearly, you had been working hard on evolving MSI 
turning it into a different company, becoming more fashion forward, and yet the overall image wasn't necessarily representing that. And you and I had talked many years about when's the right time to update your, your identity, your logo, and, and your overall visual system. Now that it's in place for roughly a, a year, what's been the um, reaction both internally and externally on giving MSI this more fashion-forward uh, visual identity system? Yeah, it, it's. Uh, I think um, just like I said, it's been a resounding success. Our our customers now truly understand what we're all about. The tagline represents it, you know, beautifully. Our logo changed to a more modern look, trend forward look. It, it's the whole image of the company. And you look at our the employees. You know, the customers are one, but most importantly, you need the cu- employees to buy into this. They have bought in in a big way, and it wasn't just the logo or just the tagline, but when you put the whole package together with, you know, video content and as well as preaching it daily, they're all buying in. But most importantly, it's helping us attract new talent. We're, we're growing extremely quickly, and one of our biggest problems, especially in this economy, is attracting the talent we need. And we're seeing with especially a lot of the younger new folk and as well as some of the experienced ones, they want to attach themselves to a mission. It's not just selling product. It's not just selling price. It's not just a job. They're actually, as we recruit and we interview, we're learning that more and more people want a mission as part of their, you know, job description. And we're able, now we're able to provide them this mission of making dream surfaces attainable. And they really enjoy, you know, joining a company that has that mission. And so that's been a great help for us, too, to be able to illustrate that to prospective employees. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, it's been said very clearly that once you develop that purpose, vision, mission, and values and put that in place consistently, that now everybody has the direction where the company's going, they know how they fit in, and they can, you know, really chart their own career and make uh, successful um, uh, choices, uh, share the appropriate amount of risks, <laughs> and uh, and also then just really drive both their career and the business forward. So that, that's beautiful. Absolutely. It, it's been, I mean, I, we, we ask our employees, you know, in social conversations and you know, we have these, uh, I, I personally go out with an employee for lunch once a week. I just pick one at random. I say, let's go to lunch. And I ask them, do, do you understand this? Tell me what you like about it. Tell me what you understand. And man, do they, do they really just hit it and nail it when they're, you know, they can describe it much better than me. So obviously it's working. Fantastic. Well, Raj, I got one final question here. Branding is often a very difficult thing to measure as it, you know, it's not one thing. It encompasses every touch point that you started to allude to. But as president, and I, and I know you'd like to measure things, how, how do you put any measurement around the success of this branding initiative? Yeah, and you're absolutely right. Look, that some things can be measured, some things can't be measured directly. I think the right answer for this is there's numerous data points that we receive that tell us if it's working. So we can't just point to one. Did sales go up? Yes. Okay, did our margin go up? Yes. So our poll marketing is working. Is our customer base increasing? Yes. So we take all of those, but to me, the number one thing we're looking for with this is for our companies more internally focused is our retention rate of employees gone up. And the answer is yes to that. Number two, we do do an employee survey every year and we ask the question, do you understand the, the mission of the company? Do you understand the culture? And the year prior to doing this branding exercise, we were generally under industry uh, benchmark numbers. 
This year's survey, we blew past industry benchmark numbers. So that's another data point that tells us it's working. And then we look at you know, prospective employees and how many of the interviews or people we do want are joining us, and that's gone up. So if you take all these data points together, I can say without a doubt that a successful branding exercise can bring huge value to a company. Oh, it's great to hear, Raj. So, as you mentioned, you have lagging indicators such as you know sales volume and so forth, but these other leading indicators are really the ones that uh, you know to pay attention to and and be able to plan the future. So I'm I'm so happy that you're also applying this uh, and so strongly internally because often that is overlooked. Marketing can deliver a brand promise, but it's up to the entire company to keep it. And so, so glad that you guys uh, obviously embraced that from the very beginning, but it's also working quite well. Absolutely. Well, Raj, we're almost out of time. Thank you so much for being a guest on Expert Opinion. Do you have any final thoughts or insights to share with our listeners? No, I mean, uh, thank you for having me. This was a, it was a pleasure to, to get to sit and talk about it because sometimes you, know, you go through these branding exercises and you just take it, you start taking it for granted and you can be reminded of the, how powerful it can be when you, when you sit down and talk through it. Well, Raj, thank you again. You shared some terrific insights on um, family business dynamics, the power, purpose, and vision, how to apply it internally. It concludes our show today. It's Ryan Rikus, and you've been listening to another edition of Expert Opinion, a brand new business forum where thought leaders share their point of view. If you'd like to listen to past shows or read our blog, visit brandingbusiness.com. And until our next show, grow your business by living your brand promise.